Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is Monday, October 31st, Halloween. Thank you guys for making us a part of your day. On today's show, is Big 12 expansion what is next for the conference following their television contract? How does that work? Some more questions to answer about the TV contract and also a look back at the weekend that was four games in the Big 12 to look at coming up after we discussed some television stuff because it's just so important we uh, didn't get to all of it yesterday. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, supporting Iowa State today because they need it. They're down bad. Thank you guys for watching the show. Please subscribe to the channel. A whole lot of you have uh, subscribed here in the last couple days, and we appreciate you guys doing that. Please Hit that subscribe button, tap that bell for notifications, six days a week of Big 12 content. We discuss things like television contracts, Big 12 expansion. Also, we look at individual games, breakdown games, preview games, make picks. That's all that kind of stuff on these programs as well. Six days a week, Sunday through Friday, we've got your Big 12 fix. Make sure you follow us on Twitter too, at LOBig12. You guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. All right, so on this show today, really going to kind of focus on that television contract once again. And a lot of you all had great questions in the comment section about the television contract and kind of where we go from here, right? What is next for the Big 12, uh, you know, following that television contract? And I think the first thing a lot of people thought about was expansion. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of the, you know, the automatic place to go because it's been such a conversation piece. Remember, this entire thing, obviously the Big 12 had to get a new television contract, but this entire situation was kicked off when Oklahoma and Texas declared to leave for the SEC. That caused the Big 12 to go and grab the new four schools, and that caused a lot of the conversations about you know Bob Bowlesby's uh, fitness as the uh, Big 12 commissioner. Was it time for a change? It prompted that change. It prompted Brett Yormark. The Pac-12, you know, needing a television deal, losing UCLA and USC prompted their early trigger. Then that prompted the Big 12 to do their early trigger. We ended up with a television contract that we saw yesterday coming out. The tune of six years, $2.28 billion, $380 million a year for the Big 12. And that's kind of where we're sitting now. And then you think, okay, what is next? Well, the thing is, you know, the Big 12 wanted to get aggressive. And a lot of you all had ideas about how they could get aggressive and what schools they should go after. And we have to think about it. There's a, there's a couple factors here. There's a lot of factors, obviously, but the main thing is this. Number one, it's the Pac-12's move now, all right? If we're talking about the Big 12 and the most likely course for expansion, it would be them grabbing Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Because we know from reporting from Brett McMurphy and other places, Dennis Dodd, that there is interest from the Big 12 in those four Pac-12 schools, all right? That does not mean that other expansion could not happen. This is the most likely expansion it feels like. Well, to pull those schools away from the Pac-12, there would need to be a television gap. And I think Michael Shear does a pretty good job. Michael Shear has kind of been a Pac-12 pessimist, I would say, but... I think he has been more accurate than what we've seen sometimes from John Wilder and John Canzano, who like, we have to understand those guys, their live is, is the PAC 12. All right. 
they live the Pac-12 every single day. And it's a reminder to us too, guys. Like I, I don't want the Pac-12 to be crushed. I haven't liked a lot of the stuff that's being said over there, but think about it like this. The same way there are fans of Kansas State, there are fans of Arizona State. The same way there are people like me who works five days a week over at Sirius XM on the Big 12 radio channel and sometimes twice in a day, and I do the Big 12 podcast six days a week. My life is the Big 12. John Wilner's life is the Pac-12, and he's been doing it for longer than I have. And there are fans, just like you are a fan of your fan base as well over there, and they don't want any of this stuff to happen. They did not want to, you know, Washington State fans didn't want to lose USC and UCLA. Oregon State fans didn't want that. Um, Stanford and Cal fans, if those things do exist, like we saw from their, at least Stanford's attendance last week, they didn't want this to happen. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, all the same, right? Nobody wanted this. We didn't want Texas and Oklahoma to leave, and they didn't want USC and UCLA to leave either. And so I don't want, you know, uh, our friend Spencer over at Locked On Bay 12, I don't want him to lose, you know, his job. I don't want the Pac-12 to, to be gone. And so, you know, he's lost that and people in the Pac-12 office get fired and don't have jobs. Like, we don't all want that. But this is where we are now, right? This is where we are. And I will say, I think some of the some of the things that have been in the media have, and I'm, I'm a media guy and I usually defend the media. Some of those things in the Pac-12 media, I understand their optimism. But Stuart Mandel mentioned $12 million per team as a possible distribution figure. That was never going to come close to being happened. The Big 12 was always going to get more than that. I mean, if you watch the way live rights fees have skyrocketed, there was never a chance it was going to be that low. Some concerns about where it would be? Sure. But that low? Never. And everybody is, all you know, the the people on the Pac-12 side have said, well, it's an advantage now that the, the Pac-12 has gotten a benchmark from the Big 12. Originally, the story was the advantage they have was the fact they were early. And I agreed with that because we're seeing the um, the desire, the need from these television companies and entertainment companies, not just Fox, ESPN, CBS, and NBC, in live, uh, live sports. Because you look at the ratings for a lot of things across all of television. The things that stay pretty good are like Survivor, The Bachelor, Big Brother, stuff like that does very, very well. The things that have been really taking a hit, uh, you know, are, are you know, like a lot of television shows, people are watching them later on, right? So you got to calculate a lot of things into the streaming. The, you know, Sports Center is taken, uh, you know, like, you know, it's not the staple that it used to be, right? People, that's why they kind of change it to get up to where it's debate shows. That's what people want to watch now as opposed to place where you get your highlights, whatever you want to say, like, you know, the appetites change. The things that hasn't changed for those shows I mentioned and live sports, right? The appetite has not changed for that. And so being first for the Pac-12, offering plenty of live sports, is there available for them? That advantage got taken away. They were not hearing, hearing the dollar figures they wanted to hear, so it's persisted, and they're trying to get a streamer involved to get the dollar figure they want. And the Big 12 was able to take advantage. And once again, uh, I cannot stress this enough, a big reason why in the piece that we saw yesterday from the Sports Business Journal, Michael Smith and, and um, I think it's Michael Smith is who it was, and then also John Oran, a big piece of why Fox was in on this and also asked for basketball content as well, basketball games are going to be on Fox. That's not currently happening with the split is because of how competitive the Big 12 is. That was specifically mentioned in that article. They said the competition 
of the Big 12 is what is getting is what got them there. The Pac-12 does not have that. All right. They've got when they're down. I mean, Colorado is down bad. And look, we've had Kansas forever being down bad. So I'm not gonna talk about that. But like Stanford has been really bad. Uh, uh, Colorado is really bad. Uh, Arizona was really bad. Arizona State is really bad. I mean, you've got all of these bad, and I know we talked about those, those are schools they want to add. I mean, they're they're all bad for like really weird, different, various situations. And look, once again, those schools' value is really right now in kind of the different time slots they can help the Big Twelve achieve. That's why I think the to me it's they're so appealing. Also, they won't be down bad forever. But the Big 12's level of competition, and I think that's a huge credit. I mean, thank God Oklahoma and Texas decided to do it when they did because look what happened last year. Baylor against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. What's happening this year? What are we trending towards right now? We are trending towards Kansas State versus TCU in the championship. And this past week, we just had Kansas State play Oklahoma in a really important game for the second spot in the conference behind a team that's not Oklahoma featuring two teams that weren't Oklahoma or Texas, right? That's the competition. That's what makes this appealing. The fact that we're getting these bangers every single week and look, Texas throw them in there. Yeah. The Texas Oklahoma state game was awesome. Right. But two last three weeks, we've been talking about uh, three last four weeks. We've been talking about um, ABC had the Oklahoma state TCU. Then we had FS one last week as the world series. Once again, Kansas state versus TCU. And then with this week, we had Oklahoma State against Kansas State, all on what should have been. And I count TCU versus Kansas State as like a – they did a great number on FS1. They would have done a really good number if they were on Fox, the world – if the championship series was not on there. So that was just unlucky. But they would have been there anyway. It's just a conflict with baseball, whatever, right? Um, you're seeing these teams perform in big spots. And I didn't even mention last week that ABC had Oklahoma State and Texas and one half that team, uh, that game, the team that won Oklahoma State, is not Texas or Oklahoma. That competition is really important, and I think that's what helped the Big 12 secure this thing um, compared to the Pac-12, where right now they've got four teams that are in the 8 to 12 range, top 25. The problem is two of them are leaving, right? Uh, USC and UCLA are up there right now, and those and two of those schools are leaving. The two schools that are leaving right now uh, are not in the not really in the conversation, right? Uh, they're not really pushing for a Big 12 title, it feels like right now. They have an outside shot. It's not over yet. But they're not pushing really as it seems right now. And, and they, you know, Oklahoma got close last year, but did not make it. That competition element is really important. Um, so that is now where we're, we're kind of waiting to see what the number is. And Michael Shear had this idea, uh, you know, he, co- he covers Arizona, that basically we have to figure out what that gap is, right? What is the gap from revenue distribution? And we think that the Big 12 might distribute over $50 million of revenue. That's what Brett McMurphy said. And after we do the third tier rights thing, which I'll get to in a second, and we do the bowl revenue and we do the NCAA tournament revenue and we do the college ball playoff revenue, which they all get to, what what does it end up coming out to, right? It's probably gonna be over $50 million. Maybe 60 in the future, maybe when it's 12 team playoff, it'll be 60. Right now, not looking like 60, you know, I know the 365 sports had that. It could be the case once we get a bigger college football playoff, but right now it's not going to be, it's not going to be 60. All right. So we can't just count our eggs, you know, count our chickens before they've hatched. Um, the big, tw- the big door, the PAC 12 has to ask themselves now, what is that gap that they're willing to stomach? Right. Uh, is $10 million too much? Because in a perfect world, they stay in their conference. They get a contract that's obviously even, right. Even to what the big 12 is making. But can they stomach a four, five, six million dollar gap? And 
does the travel aspect of it, like I know George Klyavkov is talking about UCLA and, oh, UCLA is going to be upset when they go to and not make as much money because the amount that they are traveling. Unless they're, I mean, is their travel going to cost them like $60 million a year when they get over $100 million checks? I mean, is it going to be that much of a difference? I have a tough time believing that. Yeah, there will be some expenses there. And in the end, they might not net as much as, you know, as some of the other schools. Uh, they have to travel too. But I mean, it's still going to be worthwhile for them in the end for them to go. It's just not feasible. Even John Milner admitted that last week in his piece. The Mercury News evaluated that claim. It just does not seem that likely that it's true, right? The the schools in the Pac-12 want to remain there. In an ideal world, they can stay together and make enough money and maybe add some more schools and they can keep being the Pac-12. But, but I mean, if that gap, gap hits eight, nine, or 10, you know, let's just say the Big 12 distributes 52 and the Pac-12 distributes 42, all right? Or is Arizona willing to stomach that? Is that something to them that appeals to them? Does that make a lot of sense for them to do it, right? That is a big factor in this now. That's that's the next move. Um, so the Big 12, you know, my, my I don't really know personally, my, at least somebody can tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm not 100% sure now what the Big 12 can do outside of what Brett Yormark just did to swing things in Arizona, uh, swing things in direction where right now it makes sense to go. They have to hear the figures now. And I know that I'm sure they, the PAC 12 ADs and the presidents, the, the, all those people have heard what's happening now, but they have to get close to, you know, a deal and hear what it might be. And then, then they have to decide what is the more profitable path forward for them. Maybe it's a short three-year deal where they decide, all right, we'll go to market again pretty quickly and see if we can get some more. But that doesn't give you too much security. And that doesn't mean the grant of rights is going to be locked up for too long, right? I mean, it, it, it still gives teams flexibility. We'll see what happens. But that, that next step in terms of expansion is not really something the Big 12 can do. Something, and, and so that's where I'm at right now. If you all disagree, that's fine. But just from a money standpoint, and then, the, the conversation with the Big 12 begins at that point in time about whether or not those schools then add value to the league because there is a clause. This is something a lot of you all asked. According to Max Olson of The Athletic, there is a clause in the contract where the Big 12, if they added more schools, um, they would have uh, – it's, it's called a pro rata clause. It's expected to be included in the Big 12 extension – Multiple conference sources said this, which would aid the conference if it pursues additional members. So that means, and, and the other part I mentioned yesterday, I'll mention this again, just because that means you add school does not mean that the, the television partners are going to pay you more money. All right. There is a deal in the Big Ten. There is a contract clause in the Big Ten deal where if they add Notre Dame, it automatically kicks up to be more. If they add other schools, there is what, John Oran and uh, Andrew Marshand over at their podcast, obviously Marshand, New York Post, Oran Sports Business Journal, what they refer to as a good faith conversation between the television partners and the league about increases. And look, I think normally you'd see us, you'd see an increase, but the question then becomes, is it an increase where, look, we're distributing $31.6 million in television revenues right now. Um, if you add more schools, would they get 31.6? Are we adding value commiserate for each school or is it going to bring down the contract? 
And then the next question is, if it brings it down in the short term, would it be worth bringing them on? Because in 2031, when the next contract comes up, will you get more money? Because now you've got the whole shebang we're offering. Now we're offering a 16-team league that can play in all four time slots, noon, three, seven, and and then 10 uh, Eastern times. That's what you're offering at that point in time. We're offering that up, and now it, it, it increases the value. So would you take a short-term hit maybe for long-term gains? That's all going to be decided, but – and I think some of that math needs to be worked out you know, now. They start thinking about that now so when those conference, those teams come along, they can have that conversation. And I'm sure Brett Yormark is talking with ESPN and Fox about what would happen in that event as well, but that's something to watch too. All right, so it's about what happens, the numbers that the Pac-12 sees, what's the gap look like, what do those ADs and presidents from those schools think they can stomach? Then it's the Big 12's turn to the side. Can we add them? Does it make sense short-term, long-term? What's the balance there? And we're talking about adding those, those schools. That's the next steps. About third-tier rights. People asked about this. Um, this morning, I heard from Matt Brown from Extra Points. I was working Big 12 this morning. He said that he was trying to find something about third-tier rights to figure out really what's happening. And it sounds like that this deal right now does not include third tier rights. What I'm reading here from Max Olson at The Athletic is combining this revenue, the television revenue for the Big 12, with NCAA, college football playoff, bowl payouts, and the school's third tier rights would help Big 12 members approach 50 million annual distribution. So he's basically saying here that this this does not include third tier rights, or at least it sounds like right now. He also mentions the school distributed $42.6 million per school from 21 to 22, a sum that did not include third tier rights. Now, some of you all out there might be saying, Josh, what are third tier rights? Well, third tier rights, and now there's a great explanation for this on, on Reddit. Tier one is nationally televised games, ABC, CBS, showing the game shown close to coast to coast. Uh, tier two is like regional games like Fox Sports Southwest, things like, you know, things like that. Tier three is basically everything else. So like pay-per-view, internet, you know, uh, um, the, the databases that they have. A good example of this is like Sooner Vision that they have on ESPN+. And that's also part of it too. I have to mention this for the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has a full network of inventory like old games, all that kind of stuff, film, whatever, that they could monetize. So that could be a leg up for them. That's something to watch as well. But the big, but the third tier rights oftentimes fall upon the schools to distribute as they see fit. And they usually receive fees for this kind of stuff. Now, some of them have thought about, you know, putting it on ESPN plus much like Oklahoma did some of them. And I think LSU has, this has almost a direct to consumer type situation, right? So it's coaches shows, Maybe it's a, uh, you know, the I would consider the Baylor show that's on ESPN Plus. They did those Baylor basketball, football documentary type deals. That is that is a third example of a third tier, right? At least that is my understanding of what that means, right? So that is something that would be considered a third tier, right? And some of the lower sports as well can fall in that category sometimes. It depends on the deal. So that is what we have to watch. The third tier rights of schools still have the option to do it as they as they wish, which kind of takes me to the next thing. A Big 12 network. Will there somebody asked in the chat too yesterday, will there be a Big 12 network? Well, 
I think that's a very interesting question. I'm not 100% sure the answer, but in my opinion, I don't think we see one. Just because they're split up between Fox and ESPN and because there's already an ACC network, there's already an SEC network uh, on the Fox side, or excuse me, on the ESPN side. And to me, it makes more sense if just because it's a six-year deal, and I know I think that the I think the Big 12 will remain with ESPN moving forward for sure, 100% sure. Uh, not 100% sure, but I feel like it's a, it's a good bet that, that these are going to remain together, it feels like, in some capacity. That being said, like, you know, what are the benefits to a network? Having that inventory there, it's a place to put some third-tier stuff. It's a place to put more games. But because ESPN lost the Big Ten, they do have gaps they have to fill. And they might be losing some – well, not losing Pac-12 programming, but we have to see what happens there as well. So I think with that in mind, and also the fact that they've already got ESPN Plus and they're more than willing to put stuff on ESPN Plus because it does drive subscription. I mean, if you're a Big 12 fan – You've got to have you've got to have ESPN Plus. It is a must if you're a Big 12 fan. If you're a Big 12 fan, it usually pays for itself. I know they're jacking the price. If you're a Big 12 and a combat sports fan like I am, uh, then it really is it's it's a great deal. If you're if you're a college basketball fan too, they put tons and tons and tons of like lower level college hoops on ESPN Plus as well. So I have to I have to say I, I do love my ESPN Plus. Hey everyone, quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network called the Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Big 12 weekend that we just had. This week's play, well, you could pick any of the Will Howard interceptions, the laser from the goal line, the Cade Warner fourth and long throw, um, or you could pick the Max Duggan to Savion Williams cover throw 50-yard bomb on a free play. So I'll nominate those three plays. You all can be the judge of your thrilling moment. They're my big three thrilling moments from the week. Pursue what thrills you in an all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Now available at NissanUSA.com. Once again, be inspired with thrilling new designs from Nissan. A new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder all available now at nissanusa.com so i and especially them being split up too i don't see them having a big 12 network at the moment i could be once again all this stuff guys is just my opinion i could be wrong you all could disagree with me let me know if you do but to me at this point in time with the way things have worked with espn plus and I, i know it sometimes sucks but like the presentation to me is pretty good um, and they put good matchups on there. And I, I don't mind paying for ESPN plus, especially because I know it's, it supports the conference in some ways. So I don't think necessarily the right move is to go with a big 12 network at the, at this moment in time. Um, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense, especially because it feels like there's enough slots when you take off uh, the big 10 games, all the games they had. And, you know, you add in what the, the inventory that the ESPN is getting with the big 12. I think they're fine right now with just doing, Plus, it's only a 12-team league, too. So I feel like, you know, with everything going on, like, they have enough right now just to say, all right, let's put it on the big networks. ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, and then ESPN Plus to to fortify that. So that's where I am at with those. If you guys go to our YouTube page right now, you guys can send me some more questions. All right? You guys can send some more questions. Um, and I, I already put it up in the community tab. Send questions about the contract, about the future of the league. If you have anything uh, you guys want me to answer, I will answer. All right, let's actually move. This is a longer episode today. Let's move in now 
to some of the conversations about this uh, weekend's games. And we have to start with the Kansas State Wildcats. Oh, my God, did Kansas State destroy Oklahoma State. In a game this past weekend that was for no, the number two spot in the Big 12, um, Kansas State just they came to play in every way, shape, and form. They took advantage of all of, uh, you know, the, whether it be injuries, whether it be young receivers, whether it be a bad pass defense, they really took advantage of all of it from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State never had a shot, and it started early when Will Howard on that fourth down found Cade Warner. A gutsy play call, a great throw, and a great catch. And that's really the story of this game is how good Will Howard looked. Um, Will Howard to me is a guy that has been maligned and I think rightfully so, but Will Howard this season looks much different than he did last year. He's just a different player. When you watch him, you know, the confidence is there. He's not the runner that Adrian Martinez is at all, but we've had so much talk about, look, Martinez needs to have at least a functional passing game uh, to get this thing rolling. Well, you know, because the two-headed monster in the running game. If you take the passing game for Kansas State and you bump it up like four octaves to the way they did the other day, then, you know, you don't need the quarterback to run. You're actually good enough with Deuce Vaughn being that running game. And that's what he was the other – that's what he was for, for them on Saturday in this game. I know Giddens got seven carries and he got in the end zone as well. You know, later in the game, a lot of mop-up duty. Um, but – you know, Will Howard was was the story here, and now it's a question of, all right, what's going to happen? And I think it's something we'll dive into later on in the week. But Kansas State, every time of those injuries, and they had some of them, and guys were banged up, and they still played fantastic. That's why I'm not a fan of the injuries being a, a big excuse. Oklahoma State had them last week. They won with them against Texas. This week they had them. They lost with them. I don't think it's much of an excuse because I don't think it matters who was healthy and who wasn't. Kansas State had injuries against TCU, I know, and a lot of Kansas State fans – think that's the reason why they lost. Uh, sure, it's probably part of it, but also too, man, they got curb stomped by in this in that that second half or kind of end of the first half into the second half run that was happening. All right, I know Will Howard gets hurt in that game, but was he hurt in this game too and still looked this good? So the injury, you know, I think everybody is just kind of uh, crying over spilled milk with the injuries because everybody now at this point in time is banged up. To me, it doesn't matter. Kansas State went out there and shut them out. It's one of the worst losses in history for a top 10 team. It's one of the worst losses uh, Mike Gundy has ever taken, probably the worst in terms of score in a, in a Big 12 game. And um, they just pillar to post were the better team. And for a school that we've talked so much about, about Kansas State, like they've got a chance this year. Um, when you have quarterback play like that, and once again, I don't know if it holds up because that's a really bad passing defense. And there were some ducks in the TCU game. Will Howard is throwing lasers here. I thought a lot of his throws were really good. There were still some some bad misses. There was one on a, a bad miscommunication. We just threw it in the first half, and it landed like you know away from folks that could have been picked off at certain times. And that's that's going to come with a guy like this. But when that step up in competition comes, and it is coming for them, what happens to them? What happens to their offense? They've got a tough tough road to close it out here. Texas at Baylor at West Virginia, KU could be tougher, but still there are some difficult games in that stretch. So with this, I'm saying excellent win. This was the full potential at all three levels for them. They, they rushed like three or four guys all game and were able to get a lot of pressure. 
which was I thought was pretty impressive as well. And, and they made Spencer Sanders look uncomfortable. And Will Howard was the man in this game. So was Deuce is always the man. But um, that throw that Howard had to Deuce, my God, a rocket near the goal line that he put right in, I mean, right on his hands. That was amazing. Uh, so TCU or, or Kansas State rather takes the number two spot in the Big Twelve. TCU escapes Morgantown. So there was a lot of questionable coaching, I think, on both sides. I was not impressed with TCU's short yardage offense. Thought there were some situations later in this game where they could have picked up first downs and not given the ball back and didn't think the play calling was that good. That being said, they scored 41 points. Um, if you have not watched the new Batman, you can watch it. It's awesome. There is a scene where Paul Dano, who is the Riddler, is just watching bombs go off outside of a jail cell. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. That is what watching the, the TCU offense is like. I mean, they had four plays, four touchdowns of 50 plus yards. There was a 51 yard Kendra Miller touchdown run. There was a, uh, a well, Bailey had one too in the backfield. He had a 30 yard uh, run as well. Tay Barber, 71 yards. Savion Williams had the, the bomb in the end, 57 yards. Quentin Johnson, 55 yards. These guys hit big play after big play after big play after big play, and you can't cover all of them. And that nuke at the end to cover the spread was something that was pretty special and made the scoreline look different. But TCU, we thought this would be a tough game for them, going on the road after having to get up week after week after week after week with all these difficult games they had, and they go on the road to a team that's a wounded animal and kind of a sleepy start, and that was a, that was a fist fight. Now, they didn't start as slow as they typically do. They were able to even it up and start going back and forth a little bit. But I thought for them, I thought for them, those explosive plays just continue to be the difference. And also, their defense really does step up in the second half. They only allowed 10 points second half, which I know is like still not, you know, it's not like amazing, 31 of the game. But their second half defense, if you look back at the last few games that they've played, it's really emerged as an X factor for them. It's what allowed their offense to get back in it. Against Kansas State, you go back and look, and they, they shut them out in the second half of that game. Then you go back to the Oklahoma State game and look at what they did in the second half in that contest, and they allowed, what, three point, or six points in, um, in the third quarter. Now, I know they did 10 in overtime, end up getting the, the two overtimes, end up getting the win, but still in regulation we're talking about here. That, that defense has really become an effective weapon for them in the second half of games. Um, it's become much better. It's still not a great defense, but they can make some plays. They hit hard. They've got athletes. And so despite all the transfers that they've had, they've had really good injury luck. They've stayed very healthy, which is important. Any good team, you all know this, any good team is going to have some luck. And they've continued on that path. This was just another game where, look, C.J. Donaldson looked pretty good. Um and JT Daniels did at times, but they just didn't have the firepower. And watching this game, seeing them start to trade blows, you knew how it was going to end. You knew it was going to end with TCU winning um, because they are just a more explosive, better offense. That's just the way, that's just how it's going to work. You can't go, you can't go shot for shot with them on these high scoring games. They're going to win. The one thing I will say though, to go back to what I started with is that, they TCU really does need to clean up some of that stuff in the intermediate game. I mean, they felt like they could have iced the game a couple of times and they passed. They should have run. They run when they should have passed. They weren't getting late first downs. It felt like, and they were giving the ball back in the end. Um, you know, especially on that, 
uh, especially on that drive. What was it? The, um, the, the bad interception that we had that one too, but they just weren't finishing the game off. It felt like in, in a way that they, you know, they should have. And then the punt by Neil Brown was not great, but uh, TCU, man, like they continue to just win games. And I know it's not always blowout, massive wins, Alabama style, but they're racking them up. You, you know, you keep stacking these opponents up. They keep knocking them down. And now we're in a spot where they're eight. No, they're five and zero in the league. And really they're guys, they're one win away from being one win away to ice it. I mean, it feels like that game, November 12th on the road against Texas, TCU is going to have a chance against their old coach, Gary Patterson to lock up a spot in the big 12 title game. I feel like at that point in time, they could probably lose the last two games and be fine. I mean, look at the standings at this point in time with where everybody is in the conference, you got, you have to think that, you know, with uh, the tiebreaker situation, they've got one over Kansas state. They've got one over Oklahoma state. Uh, they've got one over OU. They've got one over Kansas. And uh, they're now in the spot where, you know, the only teams with two losses that could catch them are the Longhorns uh, and Baylor. And they'd have to beat them. They, they, they have to beat them. So basically they win next week, they beat tech and they move to six and zero in the league. That game against Texas is functionally for a spot in the Big 12 championship. Uh, you know, somewhat becomes a spot for them in the Big 12 championship game. Um, you know, I, there is still an outside shot. They could lose to Baylor and then lose their last, let's see, the last game of the season for them is Iowa State. That could still happen in a tiebreak with Baylor, I guess, could force them out. But I don't really know if we should be banking on that with the way that the Cyclones have looked this year. One more word from our sponsors on today's show. We are brought to you by Sweatblock. Chris suffered from excessive sweating for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads in his shirt to soak up the sweat until he found Sweatblock. Sweatblock changed the game for him, and now it can do the same for you. It is doctor-made, doctor-recommended. Uh, they've got it at Amazon as well. Rachel Ray likes it too, so you guys know it is a good product. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, take a look at Sweatblock today. Go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on, and you will receive a 20% discount on your first purchase there. Once again, promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available at Amazon. Turnover party in Lubbock. Man, man, oh man. Um, they, I mean, they control this. This was the game that Baylor has been wanting to play all season. They went into a hostile environment that people said wasn't a hostile. It was, and it felt like it felt like Texas Tech was a team that had much more on the line than Baylor. And Baylor has not looked great, but they're now back. They're winning ways, two game winning streak. It's funny. Blake Shapin was brought there to kind of, um, to kind of take the offense to the next level. This was a game where it felt like Shapin played more like Spencer Sanders did last season, right? When they asked Spencer to take care of leads, take care of games, uh, preserve, be the quarterback, make the throws when you have to. 19 for 30 for 211 and a touchdown. Um, and he also ran for 30 yards as well. But this was a game where they gave Richard Reese 36 carries for 148. They rode him and rode him and rode him. And they rode him really to a advantage where they took care of the footballs. I mean, they took, you know, they had uh, 40 minutes and 17 seconds of possession because they forced so many turnovers. They kept running the ball and they put so much pressure on Tech's offense. Tech's offense, it felt like they had to score every single possession in the second half. And you had Morton throwing picks. He looked really uncomfortable in this game. 
Baylor's front uh, did a great job getting pressure. Um, he was running the side all the time. And as much as he tries to fling it sometimes like Patrick Mahomes, he could not, uh, he could not do it like Patrick Mahomes on a night where they honored Patrick Mahomes. So great job from Baylor forcing turnovers. They're back on track and their big 12 title hopes are still very much alive. The rest of the way for them though, Kansas state TCU in Texas, the opportunities are there to rack up those wins that could put them in a big 12 title, uh, you know, um, conversation. They're all there, but it, they're probably going to have to run the table the rest of the way. And so it starts in two weeks. They have the buy now and they get Kansas state. So it's nice for them, nice for them to rest up, uh, get Reese ready to roll. Who is an absolute stud, man, absolute stud that Richard Reese is and uh, no Monterey ball. And they will get the job done in this game. Oklahoma continues Iowa state's misery. Hunter Deckers is just throwing some horrendous interceptions out there. Um, that's also a function of their offense just not being very good. They really just don't have many playmakers outside of uh, outside of our guy, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, who had another 10 catches in this game. They try to get the ball to Jalen Noll, but it just feels like the playmaking is not good enough. And Oklahoma, credit them, their run defense had been horrible, but it was excellent in this game. Eric Gray goes for over 100 yards. Uh, Dylan Gabriel on a day we wasn't very good you know, helps them get the job done. And then obviously that early special teams touchdown, that's an area where, where Iowa state struggled. Now I'm not really sure if they're going to stop that, but that was a great play call from Brent Venables. They took advantage. That's what good teams do. And Oklahoma, not sure if they're a good team yet, but they're showing, uh, you know, in that situation, they're showing what good teams should do. I picked them on the show guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter because I, I change my mind on Saturday all the time about some of these close games. And on Saturday morning, I woke up and I'm like, would I bet on an Iowa state today? Hell no. And I was like, it's Oklahoma going there. This is, you know, this team got a win last week and they looked much better And Iowa state's offense. I just don't trust at all. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with them. And I, I ended up, you're actually going pretty big on Oklahoma. Um, and it, it paid off. And, and, and this Iowa state team, I mean, you know, they play West Virginia this week. They're, they're favored. Uh, that's, this is their chance. This is their chance to get that big 12 win that's escaped them so far. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.